0: Love Talk Radio. I stroll
1: through the pictures What I've left behind. You want to get. I'm locked, I'm locked up done. in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow could that's going come Never know Just
0: what you've done Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now scan, um, which Stop Child Abuse Now, stands the scan, Log Talk Radio Show. And NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, and you can find us on NASCA, dot My name is Kim, and I am your host this evening, and my beautiful co-host this evening is Penelope. Glad you're here. Thank you, Kim. We also have, <laughs> we have to have Bill on the line, too, so we're always glad to have Bill on with us. Welcome, Bill. We're um, going to have just a special topic tonight, a special topic show, so I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but um, we have a single purpose here at NASCA, and that is to address issues that are related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violence or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with only two goals, one, by educating the public, especially as it's related to helping society over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths and providing services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone who's interested in the many issues that are involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And you can find all that information, again, at NASCA.org. That's N-A-A-S-C-A. And we would love to have you join us this evening. It is a special topic show. So those who call in, form a panel with us and, you know, who will describe and be critical of NASCA's tools, program, services. And um, we just ask that people call in to participate. You can call in on 646 595 2118, and we will then field your questions, and and we'll meet you on the back line and see if you want to just listen or if you want to be a part of the show. We'd love to have you though. So, again, that number is 646-595-2118, and um, we were talking before we started the show about a couple things, and um, we have our... Our friend Phillips on the on the line with us tonight, and he had just, um, mentioned co-de- codependency, and I think that's a, a really good topic. And we were also talking about depression, so well, a lot of times that does lead into depression. I think in my situation, it, it definitely does. But I'd love to hear your guys' opinion. So, what what do you all think? I'm, all the
2: lines open, and you guys are to just type in. Um, Kim, it's Penelope, and actually, um, there's a great article um, that I read recently in Psychology Today, which I think is a pretty reputable source, and it just talked about the correlation between um, adult survivors of child abuse and depression. And... Um, Basically, I mean, I've seen different statistics anywhere from as low as 50% of adults um, who experienced depression had experienced child abuse. Um, And typically it was um, um, multi-type maltreatment, meaning there was more than one type of of abuse experience in childhood. Um, But it says, you know, in Psychology Day, and I can quote, it says in almost every case of significant adult depression, some form of abuse of experienced in childhood, which is either physical, sexual, emotional, and often a combination. Um, and so I think, you know, it's, I mean, you and I have talked, but, but in my own experience as an adult survivor of child abuse, um, you know, managing... Um, Depression, um, which can really manifest and kind of um, surface in different ways, um, for me is just part of the 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 road to recovery. It's part of my recovery, and and sometimes it doesn't mask itself as um, like not being able to get out of bed. I don't have a problem getting out of bed or being productive, but sometimes it's I just start to sort of. Um, withdraw from social events, you know, and, and busy myself at home, um, and and things like that. So anyway, I just wanted to bring up, though, that there's, I just think if, you know, there's a lot of data out there that talks about the correlation between adult survivors of child abuse and, and depression, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I think that a lot of times, and I, I remember feeling this when we were in the middle of you know, being invited to everything and my kids were younger and, you know, that's a lot of demands on a time of year that, first of all, you're not feeling good because you've got this depression started and you've got all this other financial pressure going on and social demands and, and I, I'm definitely the same that you are, Penelope. I'll just, I'm better if I just hide. I'm like, okay, I'll just stay in my little mm-hmm. house and not, you know, not have to deal with those people because I don't know what's going to come up. I don't know if my answer is going to be what they want to hear. You know, I think about all those little things that um, probably are part of my abuse, you know, which plays into it. So
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I agree with you. And um, I was just looking at, there's an article on here that talks about psych central. I was looking, I was trying to look up maybe what you were talking about and then I got this psych central one. And um, it talks about how the holidays are portrayed as a positive time of year. The joy and happiness of others um, can motivate us to attend celebrations and exchange gifts for gratitude. But behind the scenes, the holiday season can be extremely stressful. It says you can have, you know, you can battle with crowds for the shopping, which I've pretty much given up. I just shop on Amazon now because I just yeah. Mm -hmm deal with it anymore i used to like to be in it and my kids you know because my girls wanted to go or whatever but now i can't i'm just like no i don't have any desire and um yeah so i've also got a, you know, some ways to cope but we can get to that so how about if we kind of open it up for bill and bill and do you guys have anything you want to say about it
1: well, well I guess si- oh. go ahead,
3: Mr. Bell. Very definitely symptomatic of my um, experience with child abuse and trauma. In fact, I I felt that depression was my normal state. Surprised me then that because um, I was also a drug user and, a, and an alcohol user, that um, I found out alcohol was really a depressant. I didn't think that. I didn't know that, <laughs> but but it turns out it was. And that made sense because I was trying to get down. I was trying to get down, you know. I I, I hated life, really. And uh, I, like Kim said, I was, I had problems getting out of the bed for a long time. I mean, talk 10 years or something. You know, I couldn't, I, I had no uh, sense of direction. Uh, nobody could help me, kind of. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't work uh, or very little work or certainly work way below my Capacity, um, and you know all these things. Uh, I had to I had to uh, develop skills that would help me, uh, you know, get around these things in order in order to grow because I wasn't going to grow unless I addressed them. And um, but I just wanted to say at the beginning here that I definitely identify with depression as being a huge element of my, uh, you know, of my emotional state. Uh, in early recovery for sure. And actually, even before early recovery, in, in wildlife's having the trauma, part of the trauma.
0: Do you still find that it creeps up on you? Even sometimes though you're not does. doing all of it. Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: no, sometimes it does. You're
0: yeah.
3: not other I've been... You know, dealing with uh, trauma for a long time—my child abuse Um, trauma—but it it, it, doesn't—it—it hasn't made it go away completely. It's made it um, less aggravating to deal with, not comfortable, but but less aggravating to deal with, and um, and so I've been able to at least accomplish some stuff. But again, I, I have the sense that it's no—it's none of it's ever been anywhere near the capacity that I at, would have had had I not been, you know, a traumatized child. At least that's how it feels to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Philip, what were you going to say? Well,
1: I've dealt with depression ever since I was a little kid, and just recently I got some Lexapro from the doctor. So I guess the Lexapro and the therapy and the psychologist is supposed to help with it.
0: You, do you feel that? Does that really helping around the holidays?
1: The thing that helps most is the after show. Is the what? But... The thing that helps most is this show. And my NME. But Oh wow, um, this show. Yeah. But as far as therapy goes, like I guess it's I've heard that it's helpful, so I haven't really felt that it's helpful
0: yet. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe I mean I don't know because you haven't really talked a whole lot about it on the show and, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but um do you feel like maybe you're the person your therapist that you're you're seeing someone, right? Specifically or yeah. somebody
1: yeah. Name is your... Do you
0: feel like maybe Yeah. Do you feel like maybe that person isn't trauma informed enough? Yes. Yeah. And that's maybe the struggle you're having? Yeah. I think that's very common. you? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Very common. I
0: find people all the time time that aren't trauma-informed. It's very frustrating, too, because you feel like these are the people that you're going to help you, and they're not quite getting you because they don't have that other trauma-informed piece, and they don't treat that. They don't teach that it, like they don't teach that maybe a little tiny section of it but it's not as prevalent in education as it really should be especially when it comes to counselors so yeah I mean I'm not that it's right but it may be that you just need to find somebody who is more trauma informed and I think that's where I'm at right now too I'm not I don't have a counselor right now because I felt like the last couple that I've had are not trauma informed, and then they say things that trigger me, and I have a hard time coming back after that. So, <laughs> yeah. would you well, be Kim and trying to? Okay.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Kim and Philip and Bill. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough that that I I was referred to a trauma informed um, psychologist when i started um at the inception of my recovery so i was very 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 fortunate and i just regarding depression it was actually pretty recently um that that he informed me that you know when um in recovery when we fall into more of a depression um especially after there are you know for me it's it's I'm um, and uh, the inception of stress, like my husband's, you know, cancer diagnosis or a move or um, even so something highly triggering, um, really highly, can, can kind of, I, I noticed that, you know, um, uh, you know, I started showing some, you know, different, um, it manifests itself differently. And so he had explained to me that um, when that happens, you know, it's the body's, it's actually the mind's way it's not depression, I think, has a, almost a negative connotation. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's your mind's way of saying, I'm pretty overwhelmed right now. And I just need some time to process through this. And so it's, it's almost a protective, um, the way it was described, it's more of a protective phenomena that helps us uh, manage through, you know, the headwinds, if you will, um, of whatever we're dealing with. Um, to help you know get us through, it's a way of saying I can't take on anymore right now. I gotta just kind of focus on what's on my plate, um, and get and address that and get through that. So that really just helped me sort of um, understand like the role that depression plays in my recovery. And for some reason, I, I just felt like I once I understood that I was a little bit more forgiving of myself. I understood why, and I was a little bit more uh, patient with myself. You know, as I as I can see. For me, it's a little bit cyclical, so I just, I wanted to share that. I don't know if you've ever heard that about depression, but um, that's what I learned.
0: No, I like, I no, I haven't ever heard that. <laughs> I, I think that's good to hear, anyway, that it's not just bringing you down like you feel, that there's actually something going on in there, but, I mean, which I, we know that anyway, but we just don't know what happening. so yeah no i have, haven't heard that. How about you guys?
3: Well, I felt that that's that's kind of how I felt that it was my normal state you know um i didn't I didn't think there was something wrong with it i I needed depression in order to survive. that's how I felt uh, now, mine was not something that came on after the fact it, it kind of had always been there. It got worse. Uh, and it lasted a long time. The severe severe part of it lasted a long time. The other thing I wanted to say from earlier, what we were just, just talking about, you know, not all therapists are alike, uh, Philip. The, the, um, just because you have a therapist uh, or even uh, the type of therapy that you're going to, it's not the only one there is, and there's lots of other choices. So this is another message that we don't tell uh people early enough or often enough that they may not be wrong. First of all, the the type of therapy that you're going to might not be something that really, you know, accommodates your problem, nor should the therapist itself, as they said, be be helpful if they're not trauma-informed. So these are a couple problems with the same uh, solution, which is change the therapy. (laughs) You know, the therapist and the therapy, at least try something else. There's lots of different kinds of techniques now. Uh, but we know as trauma patients that no matter what we select, we want it to be the person that's leading it to be trauma-trained or trauma-informed. But that's what we need too, you know. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because we I didn't have a chance to before.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you,
2: Bill. I
0: think... Um... So I I I guess how I feel is kind of similar. I feel like I know that when November starts to roll around, I go into a depression, that it is hard for the holidays. And I feel like every year I say, okay, except for this year, I'm not fighting it. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Just get me through. But some years I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to, focus on what I need to do. I'm going to focus on my family and not get into that depression, but I still find myself there. And then I find myself even more overwhelmed because I've said, oh, I'm going to, you know, have the family over this night, or I'm going to have them over that night when I felt good. So, I mean, that makes sense to me, I guess. It's, does that sound kind of like what you're saying, too, is you just kind of expect it? You know it's going to happen at some point. And I,
3: I, we, used to say, we used to say that, you know, um, alcoholism and, and depression is a three-fold disease Thanksgiving Christmas and New Year's because <laughs> you could always count on ban yeah. <laughs> to the holidays yeah. and it would get even if you had it in general uh, most of the time it got worse on the holidays because it's when it peaked so we had to define um, I had to find a number of techniques that other people were using that did help them uh, deal with their depression so that it wasn't completely debilitating. Well, sometimes I'll be honest with you, sometimes it was completely debilitating and I had to give up uh, doing some things I normally would have done, even though, for example, family and friends didn't know why, you know, but I, I just couldn't deal with it. You know, I just could not deal with it. Even, even shopping, you know, much less the uh, the uh, turkey dinners and the Christmas mornings and all that stuff, and the and the, and the uh, New Year's Eves, which I didn't want to participate in. I want to celebrate New Year's, you know, with all the drinking and stuff. I wanted to avoid that, so um, I had to learn that there were other things you could do for each of those things.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Bill Philip, what do you What do you do when you feel depression is coming on? Do you have um, Well, you kind of said earlier Well, in the past
1: I really didn't have anything So I just kind of worked And was patient for the time to come around And now For depression, I just I just basically be patient and wait for things to change.
0: I think a lot of times that's not a bad way to handle it it's as long as you can as long as you're not going to hurt yourself. You know. And I feel like that's a little bit about
2: what we're, you
0: know, we're, we're saying is that we understand that it's going to come. So not there's not necessarily anything that's going to stop it. There may be something that will postpone it if you've got something exciting going on, but um, it's, it's going to come. It, it just stinks. I'm well. Cool. actually thinking about not, okay. not even going to Thanksgiving because I'm in that, kind of in that funk too because of things that are going on in my family. So I don't know. I might not. I might not even go to Thanksgiving. I'm really contemplating that. Then that makes me sad too. So, what are we going to take some
2: help I was going to say, well, I noticed, I noticed indecisiveness for me sometimes is like how my depression manifests. Like we were just saying, you know, Kim, you're making a decision. Like, do I go to Thanksgiving dinner or not? You know, sometimes because of my, when I'm in a depressed state, I can't even make those kind of decisions or they seem overwhelming. I just kind of freeze you know, um, yeah. and I, you know, they they weigh heavily on me, and I guess, you know, um, the Ben Franklin list of, you know, the reasons that I would, you know, when you list all your reasons to make, you know, for or against, um, or you're weighing your options, um, they just, I feel overwhelmed on both sides, so I'm almost um, immobilized, so um, I think that that's, you know, for me that, now that I realize that's, my depression manifests as, you know, indecisiveness, um, a way I waver. So, um, but I think it's good to talk about this because like we are, because, you know, we're not alone. Um, it's not unusual. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of statistics if you look, um, and Kim, you looked online, I looked online, anybody can look online between depression, um, and the relationship with, um, you know, adult survivors of child abuse, um, and the link between them and um, so I'm glad we're talking about it because it's just something that you know I feel has been inevitable um, and sometimes I do feel so alone and so I really appreciated the open discussion because it makes me feel that I'm not the only one out there um, who feels this way um, and it just, sometimes I think it's okay to give yourself permission to just feel your feelings and go through what you need, you know, what you're going through um, and just to accept it. Not that you um, want to stay in your current state, but I think we have to just accept, you know, as Bill said, he was in a you know, constant state of depression and survival. But I think it's, you know, for me, some of the stress is then being worried about the fact that I can tell that I'm, you know, falling into, you know, um, in and out of depression. So I think, easing up on oneself um, and, you know, being a little bit more gentle about it. Um, and this is, this discussion really helps with that.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> hopefully it does. I don't, you know, hopefully it helps some people to understand that they're not alone. Because I think I did go through that a lot for a long time just thinking I was alone Mm-hmm. Until I started talking about it a little bit more seven years ago, and came on NASA. So yeah, mm-hmm. I do think that that helps. There's um, a article here that kind of gives a list of five of you know top coping skills for the holidays, and one of them, the first thing, is self care, and acknowledging your feelings, you know, resting when needed, which I don't do enough. As a matter of fact, I am finding myself staying up, like, way into the morning, and I, I know that I'm, I'm depressed when I'm doing that. <laughs> It doesn't make sense to me. I'm just sitting there on the computer, and sometimes I even, like, fall asleep for an hour, and I'll wake up, and then I'll just start getting on the computer again, and I don't ever get anything done because it's the middle of the night, and I'm tired, and I should be in bed. But I think that's part of what I can see now is a depression thing that i I do. Um, so resting would be a lot. Probably help me a lot. <laughs> Eating healthy foods, which I think also, when I'm depressed, I don't necessarily want to go make a meal, a healthy meal. I want to just grab, you know, something and and go. Like I made bean burritos tonight, so it just takes a can, you know, of beans and a tortilla and some cheese. So it's not. I don't even care about the free chili. But um, I do think that would probably be helpful. Too. Staying active—that is one thing that I do. Um, try, especially when I know I'm not doing well, I try to go exercise. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I—I I hear it in my mind that that's supposed to work, so I think I—I I do that. And then maintaining a, a good support network, and I think NASA does. A great place for that. You know what? I just realized I bought a microphone so that I wouldn't fade out like Bill and I talk about sometimes, <laughs> and I didn't even set it up. I completely forgot about it. So
3: Darn. I wonder I wondered about <laughs> that because you have been fading out a little, uh, and I, I know about I'm that. so bad. <laughs> I was going to tell you. I
0: told
3: you I got it.
0: Yeah, it's not working. <laughs> I see. It says you could just plug it in and go, so we'll see. But yeah, I apologize you know, because I do know that I do that. I, I fade out. So you can yes, never, always point. ask me to repeat something.
3: <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um I w I wanna make the point that, you know, some people who don't understand how depression works, many people who don't understand how depression works, they'll tell you to snap out of it. I mean, there's no such thing. You can't just snap out of it. It requires yeah. a bunch of action. Mm-hmm uh that um you know that, that each each of which contributes towards making you a little more healthy and sane, but you can't just snap your fingers. It doesn't happen that way. You can't even take a pill, it doesn't happen that way. You know? Uh what and one of the things that I didn't hear did you get through the whole list that you were gonna tell us about of things you could do?
0: So, um, yeah, that's kind of the self-care list. There's just five things on it. There's like emotional freedom. I I can continue going, but go ahead and say what you're going to say. There's other things I can
3: talk about. Well, I'm going to say something that might be way off base, but um, very few lists like you're reading from mention it, and that's, um, you know, find somebody that needs you to be of service or a situation that needs you to be of service. Be of service. It has to do with getting out of yourself and into somebody else, who need, somebody who needs something, even if it's small. I could I, I give this an illus, illustration, the fact that if you're going to a Thanksgiving dinner and you're afraid how everybody's going to you know, going to turn to you, be focused on you, you know, the situations are going to be focused on you, that one of the things you can do is offer to help out with the dinner instead of sitting there and being a bump on a log you know, and I mean small things can happen, like you can uh, pass around the cheese and cracker plate, you know, and, and talk to people just that fast and go to the next person and the next person. That, That's being of service, and it, it tends to get you out of yourself and into, uh, you know, helping the situation. I always feel better when I'm making a contribution than when I'm sitting there waiting for something to happen. Uh, so anyway... That's one of the things that I would definitely always include on a list of things you should uh, try doing that uh, could could contribute to getting you out of the pity pot, (laughs) off of the, I don't want to say pity pot, it's real. Depression is real. I don't want to say pity pot. But, um, you know, uh, to get you sort of headed in the right direction towards the healing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I, well, and then, so let's talk about the other part. I mean, I feel like the opposite of what you say. I feel like I always help and I always try and do things and I never appreciate it. And I'm very much um, taken for granted. And I was right. just at because, a family event right. the other week. And I, and I felt that so strongly because I'm struggling with my girls and I, I don't get, like, I ask to do something, and I get no answer. Like, they completely ignore me. So that's where I'm at with that is that, I you know, I try. And I'm, I've always been the only one. So if I go to my, my, da- my other daughter's on Thanksgiving, I would be the only one helping her. He, there'll be a whole other side of the family, her husband's side of the family, that they never do anything. They just sit there. And when I'm around, I do help because I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I've always done. So it's almost the opposite. Of what you're you're talking about, because I I think well, I'm starting no, to get no no resentful it's and I'm grumpy really not
3: okay. <laughs> yeah but it's it's really not diametrically opposed to what you're saying it's just a different it's it's a, a different perspective but on the same path in other words I used to and, and it wasn't just in social situations also at work I would teach people how to treat me and what they mean by that is um, I would overdo stuff where I would constantly be volunteering for stuff. And from that point on, you know, people began to expect that I would be the one that would volunteer for stuff or that they could come to me and and say, um, you know, we have this extra job. We need you to do it. Or maybe in the social situations, you know, I would find myself um, offering my house as the house for dinner. And (laughs) that that means you're going to work a lot, you know. (laughs) You feel like it's on... It's unappreciated, but that's partly my own fault because I keep I keep offering, you know. And at some point, i got to stop offering. i got to say, um, I know Thanksgiving's coming up this year again, and I, I often uh, do the dinners, but I don't feel I can do it this year, and so I'm going to have to ask somebody else to do it. I can't make it this year, you know. <laughs> and, and you start to teach yeah. them that, hey, they can't automatically think of you. But but we do this to ourselves is, I guess, the basic point I'm saying a lot of times. And there are ways out of it, but it's, you know, it's not easy, for example, for you, Kim, to to stop volunteering in the house for dinner. i get that, you know. But um, maybe you can take people to a restaurant instead. I don't know, <laughs> you know. I'm not ready to cook, but to I'd be happy to join you at a restaurant, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's different.
0: Right. Yeah. So, what do you think, Bill? Um, what was I going to say? Oh gosh, I just you I just lost it. Never mind. It'll come back to me maybe. Definitely <laughs> have cut back a lot on having people to my house. Well, I. I tremendously, actually, because I used to do all kinds of parties around the holidays, and and I just pretty much gave it up because it was, not only was it stressful just to get ready, I mean, I I usually enjoy it, and I, you know, once I get to that point, it's it's enjoyable, I've just stressed at the beginning, and, um, but then I've also got a lot of backlash from, like, what what it will cost, like money costs and things like that. So, I mean, thinking about those type of things, I I did at one point quit having it here and asked my daughter to do like Christmas Eve because that was a big one for me. But because nobody would bring anything. I was the only one making anything. And it was supposed right. to be a potluck. But as soon as I right. got my daughter to do it, people started bringing stuff. And so I was like, yeah, well, that just kind of proves my point. But then she got mad at me because she doesn't want to do it. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, so, yeah, yeah, there's always something, isn't there, though? There can always be something, I guess.
3: I, I think I'm just saying, Kim, that, you know, there are times when we have to stop kind of blaming everybody else and start looking at ourselves because we do it to ourselves a lot, you know. And there are things you can do. I mean, I, I had a mom who used to act very badly, and I had the ability to say no to my mother, you know. Um, and uh, my sister couldn't get it. She just couldn't get it. So my mother walked all over my sister. She knew not to come to me, though, because she knew if she came to me, I wasn't going to accommodate her every wish, you know. And she didn't like that. She yeah. wanted to be accommodated. Uh, so, later, when my sister was dead, and I was the only caregiver for my mother, uh there were times when I would refuse to do stuff that she asked me to do or wanted me to do or said we had to do i'd say, "No, we don't you know, and i don 't like your uh it's a, you know if it got it got heated I said i don 't like your attitude and how you're talking to me, and i'm not I told you i'm not going to do it, and i'm not going to do it so you have a nice time over here with your fancy and i 'll have one with mine. And we'll see each other maybe afterwards if you give me a call and apologize. I, I actually say that. And you know what? Did you apologize. Yeah. And I would miss the dinner, the planned dinner, where she would have it like the senior center that she lived in, the big senior facility. But I would, I would be at, the, at the, the room that I was renting from somebody with um, turkey coal cuts. And like
2: you know, and that was it. that was my
3: Thanksgiving dinner, and I did that a few times, not just once, more than once, because it took more than once to to even begin to break my mother of the habit that she had developed for years and years and years, and came to expect, you know. But I wasn't going to put myself to right. hell, even if I had to suffer a little bit, because I did not have, you know, I did not turkey and stuffing. And, you know, and pumpkin pie. I had bowl cuts and, you know and uh and that was it. <laughs> Whatever. Little things right. from a can or, or or prepared or something. But maybe I had to uh, miss the turkey dinner so that it, it it I had a better overall experience for that day for those couple of days. And I would wait for her to call and sure enough she would call. And she would f- she would sound like a um like a little girl. So, you know, how are you? I said, I'm fine, Mom, how are you? Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> she told me she missed me on Thanksgiving and so forth. I said, well, I told you I wouldn't call and I wouldn't come over <laughs> unless you apologized." I said, well, I, did, I didn't yeah. mean to, to do what I did. You know, she would, she would to some degree apologize. <laughs> but uh, the point is, right. I was not going to allow her to walk on me again. It's been happening for my whole life, you know, and um I was just gonna not gonna let that happen, so I had to risk you know sounding like an ogre <laughs> feeling like an ogre to her, I guess, but you know having a better shot at a more comfortable um, Thanksgiving myself, even if I was alone,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Um. Hey, Phillip. I I don't know if we've kind of gotten off the the codependency, but I think, it, like I said, it kind of all goes together. Did you want to share anything about about that? What you were thinking about the codependency aspect?
1: Um, sure. Um, let me find the link really quick that I was gonna. Uh, go off of it says codependency is learned behavior that can be passed down from generation one generation to another. Is an emotional and behavioral condition that can that affects an individual's ability to have a healthy mutually satisfying relationship. It's also known as relationship addiction. Um, I think I I somebody at my meet I heard somebody at my meetings talking about that too. So that's something I kind of wanted to tackle because I think it's something that I can work on myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that.
3: Well, i tell you what, uh, no. a, I, think, I think the whole thing that I just talked about with my mother and Thanksgiving and myself and how I used to act too, that was codependency code because she – she had expectations of how she would be treated. She wasn't going to give it up, and, and I was always resentful of the fact that she wanted to be treated that way, and I kept giving in. That's codependency. I had to break that cycle in order to, you know, have at least a shot at being having a healthier holiday season. You know, And it did work eventually, but ooh, not easy. Not easy because, you know what, before everybody else was gone, my whole family um, acted this way with her and she became uh, he became dependent on our over overreacting that way, you know. Uh, and so she did it over and over and over. She did it harder and harder and harder kind of, you know. Anyway, uh, I appreciate you talking worked. about codependency too. Yeah. I
0: don't know, absolutely. I know that and we've talked about this before. I know Penelope and I have talked about this, but um, I was groomed and expected to treat my parents a certain way. It didn't matter that they were abusive, and they, you know, I, I was expected to do that. And I think, to some degree, I, I carried that with me for even within the last couple of years. And I'm starting to to be able to set more of those boundaries and say, you know what, if you're going to treat me that way, I'm not going to come by. And I've done that. And I think that specifically my dad, you know, that I've talked about in the past, um, he's starting to see that more because I know he can get mad at me for not coming over and, you know, be really mean to me on the phone, and then he'll call me, like you said, but he'll call, but, and it's not a real, like, clear apology. You can tell that's what he's trying to do, and um, exactly. and be a lot nicer I mean he'll just be a completely different person, so yeah, I mean, I think that at some point you uh, I needed to do that, I need to start setting these boundaries though you know my my kids don't treat me as as well as I treat my abused parents, and um, that bothers me sometimes too, but <laughs> There's a um, has has anybody heard of the EFT method? So that it sounds right. So the second part is emotional freedom, number two in this psych central article that I'm kind of going off of. Um, it says Melissa Park. Uh, yeah, I do. Julie. do you I know do. it? Yeah, yes, he is. is. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, it's, it's like um, it's called emotional something. yeah emotional freedom tapping, and it's you tap certain um, um, I guess I don't know how they refer to them, but points like places on yeah. the body actually places on the body they're supposed to um, you know um, basically help to release um sort of emotion um, and so by tapping on them, you know helps to release it and you speak um, at the same time that you're tapping in these specific points um, by saying sort of kind of positive affirmations. Um, it's supposed to sort of you know help to kind of rewire the brain, if you will, in a way. Um, um, by I think it's really through touch and these you know touch of these sensory points while you're also um, speaking. Um, these um, you know basically, like I said, they're more of, um, affirmation statements. Um, to help put your mind and, you know, you just kind of get over a hump or to address a particular, you know, situation like depression or anxiety. Um, so um, I have tried it, and I, I I never felt worse after I did it. I'm just not sure. I think you have to be pretty consistent with it um, and do it um, several times a day, every day. And they even say doing it from a mirror is even better. Um, it's just that I, you know, there was, I think it, it, it's, I don't want to say it's not effective. I think it, it possibly could be, but for me, I was doing so many different things at the same time. I was like, Philip, I was doing meditation and mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, I just, there were so many things that I just couldn't stick with it very consistently. So, but it's not difficult. And I think you can even find someone to help you from online.
0: Yeah.
2: You
3: know, when you say tapping certain parts I, of your yeah. of your body, what parts of the body are you talking about? Like your sternum
2: so, and things like that? So yeah, like yeah. If I remember correctly, first you start at yeah. the very, you start like the crown of the head, and then you go like I think above the eyebrows, and then you go like below uh-huh. the eyebrows, and then you go underneath like the nose, in between the upper lip and the nose, and then you go like to the chin, and then you go to the um, um sort of yeah the sternum and then you go i think the shoulders then you go like underneath the armpits then you start at the top of the head again um they're all a little bit different but um basically those are the points right 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 okay well they're
3: not necessarily
2: chakras they're just they're their own points huh yeah they're their own they're their own points and i'm sure there are you know some I don't know if it's reflexology, and I'm sorry, i you know I probably used to know what the the term was, but I mean I know in reflexology there's certain you know pressure, there's certain points that you press that it, you know that are um, connected to different um, energy centers, and um, and right, it, right. that's kind of the way. To, so I think it's there's an alignment there with that process. Okay. Hmm. That's one I haven't tried. Yeah,
3: I. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I've seen, I've done that as well. I think I've had a a therapist that has done that with me. I, I have a problem doing like affirmations, and I just, I've been really trying to work on that with my last therapist. I was working on it, and um, because I don't think that highly of myself, you know, it's like how how can I say all these wonderful things about myself when I don't feel that. And I think to try and put you, to say you have to get into that space is is hard to do. You can't just say, yes. oh, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to love myself enough that I can say these affirmations and do the tapping, you know, at the same time. That's And I can't, I, yeah, I, I've had a really hard time with any kind of that, anything like that that I have to do, like in front of a mirror, you know, affirmations, I just. All flat I don't
2: do that <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's definitely it's definitely a commitment um, but it's not difficult I mean in terms of just the direction on on the sequence to do it and it's also accessible because I believe that I found some online. It wasn't that I had to buy anything or go to a particular person um, so I think if you want to try it, it's not difficult to find um you know an eft um session on youtube and play it and just sort of dabble in it and see how it goes and kind of learn the basics the good the good ones give you an overview and then they go into the practice so
0: yeah
3: oh yeah i'm sure and i wouldn't I, i wouldn't have too much of an expectation of yourself kim you know this is new to you and you're uncomfortable doing it that's fine so don't make it an affirmation yeah. so much as the, the ability to have an affirmation, you know, to make a change. The ability. And that might be easier to, to express to say out loud because or even to inside because you don't really believe it that you are a wonderful person, right? But you have the capacity right. to be a wonderful person. It's an easier thing to think about you know, to, to digest. And uh, I would say don't don't make it too hard on yourself either, you know, so just the yeah. the ability to do it when when you had the energy and the wherewithal you know that's a that's an affirmation you know um yeah, and that's there's nothing wrong with that but, uh.
0: yeah, I agree with you i um i so it also says here that tapping is supposed to you know then divert your mind away from, so basically it's taking your mind off of what you're trying to think of. It's like what you do to, you know, little (laughs) three-year-olds, two and three-year-olds. It's like change direction of what you're thinking, you know, get them to think differently. So Yeah. It's probably a good thing, but the other, the next one that is on here is number three is deep breathing, which I can yeah. I find myself doing off and on at times. You know, I don't, I don't know that I do it every single time, but there are times. What about you guys?
2: I mean, I can speak to this. Because deep breathing actually helps tap into the parasympathetic nervous system. And uh, so your breath is really, like, it's amazing, and it, it can act like almost a remote control. And the parasympathetic nervous system is, is the part of you that's more of the rest digest he'll restore um, like today for example um, my husband has slammed on the brakes and we literally almost got into a car accident and so my heart was pounding okay that is activating the sympathetic nervous system the fight or flight part of your nervous system um, so the opposite of that and you know really when we're I, I should back up but when we're um, healing from childhood trauma and abuse you know, a lot of people say they go numb. You know, they freeze. Well, our bodies become frozen in a state of fight or flight. So um, to um, counterbalance that, to interrupt that state and to bring the body back into a state of homeostasis, we want to tap in, into the other part, which is what I mentioned, the, the parasympathetic nervous system, that rest, digest, heal, restore. And that's what deep breathing can do. So when you're having anxiety, if you're feeling nervous and you, you know, take some nice, long, deep breaths and you feel better after a while, well, that's why. Um, so the deep breathing, I think, really does help um, if you have anxiety, um, definitely if you have anxiety. But I would also say that um, if you do too much deep breathing, I would just watch out because you can, you can really tap deep into that parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. And then when I do that, sometimes I feel sluggish and slow and a little depressed. So I think that there's just a balance um, of of how much deep breathing you want to do because um, you can overdo it as well. I just think the goal really is more to get into a state of homeostasis. So instead of, you know, deep breathing for 20 minutes, you know, deep breathe for three the six full rounds of breath and a round of, you know, breathing in and breathing out is one round, like one full breath. Um, because it only takes three lo- rounds of breath. So that's, again, a round, one round is breathing in and breathing out. only takes three to tap into the, nerv- the, the, par- the, the nervous system um, and to make a change. So I always tell my students, because you know, this is what I do, I teach mindfulness and meditation, and I use breathing as a technique. Is, you know, take take three nice long, slow breaths, and then just pause and, and check back in with yourself. Um, how are you feeling? Do you notice a change or a shift? And then if you don't, you know, do three more. But I would just say, I think the goal is more in terms of deep breathing, and I think it's effective, is to just get back into a state of homeostasis, which can keep us. Um, at more of an optimal, um, we're not overly hyper and we're not, you know, really kind of sluggish and depressed, if that makes So I don't know if that made sense or not. but Yeah. It makes sense to me. I to Go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, there's I was just going to say, I know um, one of the, the things that I do that I find has been helpful even now is um, there's, I don't know if anybody's heard of Mel Robbins that I listen to some of her podcasts and, um, and she talks, she does this five second rule is what it's called. And so you breathe in five seconds and then you let out for five seconds and you do it at the same level, you know, in an out. And that is, you know, supposed to help then to regulate like you're, you're talking about, Penelope. You know, so, yeah, I think it can be done in however yeah, many exactly. numbers you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's good to know that that three number, like you were saying, because I hadn't really heard of that, that you need at least three breaths to get to that homeostasis point. So, yeah, that's good. That's good information. Thank you. I think
3: the sense way is that after three breaths, you can definitely feel it happening. You know, if you ever get an opportunity to hook yourself up to a, uh EK, not ekg a um what's the thing that takes your pulse that you they put the strap on your leg on your arm uh
2: take your stat your stat rate oh right, right. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah it, it, it'll if you are going to the doctor and you know you're about to get that and i do this myself <laughs> um you know the nurse is going to do that beforehand so she can tell the doctor or he and she he can tell the doctor what uh your pulse rate was and your breathing was and so forth so that um it'll help the diagnosis the doctor is later going to make. Well, if you want to slow down that pulse, you know, it takes three it just takes a couple of breaths. You have to be deliberate, but if you slowly breathe in and slowly breathe out, definitely three breaths is all it takes for you to uh actually decrease the pulse rate. You know, you're you're um and it's healthier to have a slower uh pulse rate when you're anxious, right? <laughs> you're lowering the anxiety, basically, too. I, I know, I taught, I mean, I learned it as biofeedback because I'm an old fogey, but it's same stuff, you know, that you breathe in slowly and you breathe out slowly. And in my case, I would breathe in thinking about I'm bringing the solution into my body <laughs> and I'd breathe out and I'd be t- thinking about I'm letting the, the problem go, and so I'd be breathing in and breathing out, letting it in, letting letting it out, letting the you know bringing the solution to me and letting and getting getting rid of the problem. And you know, just after uh, maybe three of those, you could feel a difference. You know, certainly five feel a difference. It doesn't take that long. is what I'm saying. And I agree that it's not, it's, it's uh, very useful.
2: Exactly.
0: I like that breathing it in and then pushing it away. Oh, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> what do you think about the whole breathing thing, so Do you have anything you want to add?
1: Um, I practice meditation breathing with an app called Balance, and it does meditation, does breathing, and body scanning.
0: Oh, that's neat. You just download it on your phone.
1: Yes, I saw an ad for it, and it was made by Google, so I thought it would be a pretty good meditation app. And it costs um, like $70 a year, but I just have the free version because I can't afford the real version.
0: I have a lot of free version stuff. No, that's – it's good. (laughs) You can't buy everything. Everybody wants you to. Me too. No, that's great. Say the name again
1: balance, and I think Google makes it. Balance. Balance? B-A-L-A-N-C-E. It's like like when you try to catch your balance. Oh, balance. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah,
0: Balance. Okay. Yeah. I might look it up. My Google. It helps with my
3: anxiety.
0: And
1: something else that helps with my anxiety is eating almonds.
0: Yeah, I think we've talked about that before. They're good for you. Yeah, yeah. you I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. yeah Sorry,
1: Go ahead, Miss Kim. Oh,
0: okay. No, we want to hear you. So you're fine. We can't really hear hear a little bit of mumbling back there, but it's not bad. So, um, no, I think, yeah, I wish... I wish I could have nuts. I think we talked about that, too, because I used to really like them, and I would eat them all the time, but I I feel better when I don't eat them because I found out I was allergic to them when I was 40 years old. So um, it's been kind of – it was an adjustment, you know, to not nuts because that was my go-to snack, and it was a lot healthier than the chocolate that I reach for now. So <laughs> – But you you were telling me, Philip, you were telling me, I think, um, that you had read an article or something about that, that almonds specifically were really good.
1: Almonds, spinach, I tried it with just almonds, and it helped my anxiety.
0: Has anybody else ever heard of that? You oh yeah,
3: help? my wife. My wife buys all. She studies this stuff, and they'll bring into the house um, yeah. the the right nuts to lower my whatever, and um, or raise my whatever, and eliminate the certain nuts that she has found out aren't helpful. And of course, also the kind of the preparation that they go through. She uh, probably is more often trying to give me raw nuts, which I don't like as much as roasted or salted even. Uh, but, you know, that's should read somewhere that they're better for you. <laughs> so I get them. <laughs> I think another one is walnuts, believe it or not. Uh, and there's, there's quite a few nuts nice. that are good for you. Now, I want to point out to Kim before we go any further that, you know, chocolate is made from a nut too, <laughs> right? nuts.
0: there you go I like that Bill (laughs) (laughs) Mm. well and I have gotten better about eating dark chocolate because I really wasn't a dark chocolate girl but I I have been I found something that I like it's these little berries off off the eye things that I like and so they have dark chocolate on them Yeah, so they're, they're better for you I know than the milk chocolate, but I still like milk chocolate. <laughs> I, <still like> <laughs> I kind of got a sweet tooth. <laughs> but yeah, that's great that your wife is doing, you know researched all of that. I don't, I didn't know that, but I do know that when I quit eating them, I missed them a lot. <laughs>
3: Part of the reason she did the research is because she learned that. Uh, One of the things that could affect a diabetic is nuts. Uh, It could be a better choice of food than some of the things I had been using. So she was looking to substitute things that would be healthier and get rid of things that would be unhealthy, and that's apparently where she found this information. But it happened when I um, I had the original surgery. Like, how many years ago was that, guys? (laughs) Eight years ago or something? That she... um, started bringing in this all this stuff into the house and, and eliminating some of the other stuff and um, and that's that's where she learned it now I don't I have to be honest I don't eat it all the time anymore but there was a time when she wouldn't let me eat anything you know and uh, <laughs> I just haven't brought it up for a while and she hasn't it hasn't become a big issue for her either She did not really notice I don't know but um, <clears throat> yeah so she's She's constantly trying to improve my diet, her diet too our diet for our for our own health reasons
0: yeah, that's really good i get I get stuck on mute, I forget that it's there, and I try to start talking and I can't do it but um i yeah, I think that's really good. So um, do you like nuts, Penelope? Do you do that, too? We didn't really ask you.
2: Um, you like to eat nuts? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I, do feel I do. I, I do um, certain nuts and food combinations um, to help with everything. Um, so I just think that eating healthy is helpful. Um, and... Um, like Bill said, I mean, I think he's only eating certain nuts for a while because his wife had done some research. Um, you know, I believe in moderation, so I don't go too crazy with it. But I, I, I think, I think the, be- the, the best thing, though, to do for, you know, because we're all individual, is actually after you eat in the morning. And, and especially for me, I do this when I'm depressed. Sometimes I, I can't even tend to sense patterns. So if I write down what I ate, what time, you know, what I did um, in terms of activity, what time of day, I can go and look. And if I, have you ever just felt horrible one day and, you know, you were hurting all over and nothing was right and everything tasted off versus a day where you're more calm and uh, you're, uh, um, I don't know, just have less anxiety and you know, you have time, you'll get, you know, a decent meal or make yourself a decent meal and you just kind of go at a normal pace and, you know, you're just um, social, Is it highly functioning. Well, um, I think that that has to do with, you know, diet and exercise. So I think if we journal every day, what we're doing and what we're eating, and then we can make a note of how we're feeling, especially during the day at the end of the day. It's almost, I don't think we do that. And then I think it's hard to know, well, what's working for me and what isn't. Um, So I think a journal really helps identify the things that are serving us well and the things that are not. Um, So yes, I mean, I have days where I'm feeling really great and I'm eating well and I'm very focused. I don't have fog brain and I'm energetic. I'm energetic enough that I want to go out and, you know, really, you know, do things and seize the day. And, um, and, um, but I don't, I don't take notes on it. And so I can't really, I don't know how to replicate that. Um, So I think having a, a notepad, a journal and writing things down is a good idea. And then also assessing how one feels. And that doesn't include the food. So can you ask about the food? That doesn't include food. Because some things I feel better after I eat than others. Yeah.
0: I agree with you. I do too. But I, you know, like I said, I will still reach for the bad stuff. Because it's easier. <laughs> it's just easier sometimes. But I think um, also, and you guys may relate to this too, is that Now that I don't have kids at home, I, you know, I don't cook as as much as I used to, and I don't make sure that the vegetables are always in every meal like I used to do or fruits or something like that. You know, I was just always more aware of that when my kids were around. And um, there are times that I go in and out of that, but, I like that. Um, they also talk about, number four, they're saying light ther- therapy. Has anyone ever done light therapy?
3: No. The sunlight?
0: Yeah, but it says there's light boxes that allow you to yeah. gain concentrated light exposure without the harmful UV rays, so they may yeah. not be suitable for everyone. It says, I guess, kind of like right. sun tanning, huh? <laughs> Yeah.
3: I I don't know. I I think think it gives you a... Yeah,
0: go ahead.
3: I think it gives you vitamin D and stuff like that without skin cancer.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the sunbathing thing. Oh, I
3: don't know. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that vitamin D. Penelope said earlier, you know, things... Uh, should be done in moderation, in some kind of moderation. You can't always eat chocolate. You'll you'll turn into a chocolate bar, you know. Uh you'll feel really bad too if that's all uh, you ever yeah. eat. You know? <laughs> if that's all I eat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it but you know, everything in moderation I think is a good rule because you know, we can't const we can't be weighing every you know, every nut and every raisin and every you know we can't can't be doing that to ourselves we'd we'd be doing nothing else you know except anyway i can't do that to myself so let me put it that way um but i can can kind of uh eat relatively healthy style foods like like more fruit for example that would be a good one for me i was not eating a lot of fruit and uh found out you know I, I actually enjoy fruit. I thought I didn't like it very much. I didn't like getting the juices from fruit on my fingers. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it would be <laughs> dripping down my arm and stuff. No, true. It's true. But um, I, I've found different ways to eat certain kinds of fruit that don't make it drip down. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I um, I eat more fruit now. And I I'm sure I'm better for it. And I don't mind eating fruit instead of something else. You know, at least not all the time.
0: Yeah. If
3: it's there,
0: then, yeah. Yeah. I have an apple a day. I, I've never really, and that's been for, like, years, like, probably decades at a time. I've had an apple a day. <laughs> and I only like the honey crisp apples. So I've got a very, you know, specific fruit that I like to eat. But I, I will eat other things. I don't like melons a whole lot, that I think, you know. I've, I've believed since I was little, though, that an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Now, that hasn't worked all the way, but, but I still have doctors. But um, I think I like it, and it tastes good. And I also put, well, sunflower butter on it now because I used to do peanut butter before I found out I was allergic, and now I do sunflower butter. And it makes me happy. It really does. I mean, there are days I don't have it, and I'm like, I can't miss my apple and sunflower butter. So does anybody else have anything like that to think? That's kind of my security, I guess. But, yeah, well, I have an apple a day. Well, it's
3: much more, it's much more recent <laughs> for me, but I have been eating roughly an apple apple a day, sometimes a couple apples a day. For a, a little while now, anyway, and I feel better for it, and I am actually enjoying the fruit you know, that I didn't expect to. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's Penelope. I also wanted to say that I think it's important to eat tree. I mean, it sounds silly, but I think that we also need to treat ourselves, you know, to something, you know, a little something every day. Um doesn't have to be a big thing but you know whether it's a piece of chocolate or an ice cream cone or something I I do think that um I mean I have an ice cream cone every other day roughly maybe every third day and I I go out to like an ice cream parlor and I get an ice cream cone and there's something about it makes me feel like a kid again and I'm just getting a treat um and it's almost a self-care thing but um it just makes me happy and I feel special. And so, um, it does lift my spirits when you we're know, talking about depression and food, but I mean, I think it's important too, to, you know, you don't have to a hundred percent eat a hundred percent, you know, nutritiously all the time. I think a treat, you know, here and there, you know, three, four times a week, even, I think it's okay. Um, because I think that we just, um, you know, we need to treat ourselves as if we're special. Um, I'm gonna tell my Uh-oh. wife that you said that that
3: I that I, I'm I should be eating an a ice cream cone every other day.
2: <laughs> yeah, every third day maybe. <laughs> no, yeah. every other day. You said it. I heard you. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't go to an ice cream parlor every other every other day. So like I might you know I might go to an ice cream parlor like what once or twice a week. So if I want an ice cream in between, then it's more normally like a McDonald's soft serve. Just you know. Um, but um, it is a little something, you know. I, th- I don't know I when the last take- time I had
3: soft ice cream was.
2: Good. Go
0: ahead, Kim. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, you should probably have some then. <laughs> I, yeah, I think um, so. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think so too. I, when my kids were little, I always had to take them to get ice cream. or it, Actually, it was uh, Wendy's, Frosty. Every time they got a shot, every time we had to go to the doctor and get a shot, we had to go get a frosty because it was right across the street. So, yeah, <laughs> it was funny. And especially my middle daughter, she would not let me ever forget it. I mean, it was to get her to the doctor. So, <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, I think my, my mother cheated me <laughs>
0: out of a lot of ice cream then because
3: I used to have to get uh, <laughs> allergy shots every week, it, one in each arm. Mm-hmm. I probably should have gotten Aww. two softies each week.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. I never got any. Yeah, you were you were very cheated out of that. I'm sorry. I think so. I'll buy you a nice treat, Phil. Oh, thank you. You. What about you, Philip? Do you have a comfort food? Something makes you feel
1: Um, good. Noodles and cheese. (laughs)
0: noodles and cheese oh that does sound good i do that sometimes do you do like butter or do you do oil or how do you make them
1: i boil the pasta usually elbows macaroni elbows and then i'll melt cheese on it with either a microwave or with just the warmth of the, the noodles like shredded cheese shredded cheddar or monterey jack cheese you know and then yeah. I'll just eat it
3: like that. Sounds good. <laughs>
0: yeah, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. There were times because I'm not a big. Are you? Do you like sauces like spaghetti sauces? Philip? Tacos? No, like spaghetti sauces. Like sauce from oh, um, Do you like that or?
1: What was that one that we got from Trader Joe's that spaghetti sauce that we got a month ago, Mom? We, we had it. We had a good pumpkin noodle sauce from Trader Joe's a couple months ago.
0: Nice. Yeah. See, I'm not a big tomato sauce person. I'll eat it, you know, once in a while. I but I don't always look for it because I'm not just I'm just not a big tomato person. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. But, yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good to me. And um, so the last thing on the list is boundaries. The so number five is boundaries, which is always a good one. And it says that um, too many things are going on. it's okay to say no or yes with your best interest in mind. So boundaries are not just about saying no to things that drain your energy, but also about saying yes to things that lift you up and energize you. So um, that's a quote by Sarah, a licensed social worker. So they've also got um, a list of causes of holiday depression here, which is financial, family conflict, social demands, cramped schedules, Um, excessive drinking, inability to be with loved ones, reminders of grief, which is probably my biggest around the holidays, um, hyper-awareness of isolation or loneliness, increased travel and time away from home, hosting duties, decreased sunlight, outdoor exposure, and colder weather, which, yeah, colder weather is not good. Yeah, I was just talking about that with my group this morning, my small girls. We were we were talking about that because I lived in – well, I lived out in Washington State for a while. P. And I think I have told you that before. But I don't – I couldn't – I had a really hard time when I was there because I came from Colorado and the sun shines all the time. Even if it's, you know, 20 degrees, a lot of times the sun will still come out. And so I remember those three years. And plus, I was in high school, and they moved me away from my house and stuff. So I wasn't too happy, but I also really did not like
2: the weather out there.
0: <laughs> it was really hard for me. Because it's I,
2: really depressing. The sun. It is <laughs> is
0: really
2: it depressing. for you? Was
0: it for you, too?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. It really was. And I didn't realize how depressing it was until I moved away last, you know, last October for the, you know, winter. Um, but when you're it's nine months of gray, dark, and rainy um and we were talking about earlier about you know vitamin D and natural sunlight um and yes I took these um these supplements, but it's not the same i don't it's not the same um so yeah everybody talks about it, but it's a top it's of a, a conversation people admit they get season sad seasonal um um Remember, the A stands for disorder, um, it's just you know it's a seasonal depression, um, and it's and it's a real thing, and it's I, I do believe that the lack of sunshine and natural vitamin D, the darkness, it's also you know the days are shorter during the winter, so you wake up and it's dark, you come home from work and it's dark. I think it makes it does take a takes a toll, and I was um, and over time I felt like it just compounded. So yes, to answer your question yes.
0: yeah i do i agree Anyone else feel that or actually any of these Philip or any of these common holiday depressions do you relate to
3: Yes was not just it's not just holiday depression it's lifetime depression that I was feeling in the like i said uh identified the first ten years of uh in my 20s, my, all through my 20s, uh, you know, having put, left the child abuse behind me, but didn't understand that the trauma was <laughs> following me all the way, all the time. And I, um, I had a very dark apartment, and it definitely contributed to, uh, you know, my depression, my feeling down. I mean, it didn't matter how bright it was outside. It was never going to get sunlight in the house. You <laughs> know, there was no sunlight. Uh, so... That was not good, Um, and I learned I didn't know that. I finally got a place that had, you know, my own place that had, like, windows that were, you know, uh, uh, inviting sunlight (laughs) instead of keeping it out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for
0: sharing that. I think we do notice. I mean – you think about it, babies have to have some light. You know, they tell you, or they give tell you to get them vitamin D drops. And um, it's really important that I think a lot of people take for granted. And now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking about my dad, because he just sits in his chair all day long watching TV. Or maybe, you know, getting on Facebook or something. But I, um, So I'm sure that he is low on vitamin D. So, yeah, you can't be in a a space I do I make sure it would be easy for me to be in my room all the time because everything I need is like right in my room where I am (laughs) and so you know and and there are days I feel I don't feel like going downstairs and sitting up at a place where I can you know feel like I'm getting accomplished but I really try to and I did it today, and it helped a little, I think, just being able to know that I got a few of the phone calls made that I wanted to, and I didn't finish the whole list, but I was trying to stay focused a little bit on just getting something done because that was on my list. And it helped. That helped a little bit. What are you? What were you going to say, Philip? I'm sorry. We've we got to go back to you. gotta um, was about
1: sunlight, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's how that I take
1: you? vitamin. What? Go ahead.
0: No, I just said how does I that think... affect you? Yeah,
1: go ahead. <laughs> well, last year, I figured. Well, I've always figured that I wanted to get more sunlight. So last year, I was finally able to do that. So I sat outside in the sun for a while. Um, and I take vitamin D supplements at night sometimes. And like today, sometimes I'll go outside and I'll try to go on the sunlight for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, so you notice the difference as well, right? When you don't get sunlight, if you're in a mood, you don't go yeah. around it at all. <laughs>
1: I notice that.
0: Yeah. That's so good. I'm always so impressed when you, you notice these things so I just like how, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so in awe of you just being so aware, and I, I think yeah, I really like that about you. So don't ever stop being aware. Keep that going. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I, we're down to the last few minutes. I guess, but does anyone else have anything to say
3: before we close out? I want to say, I want to express my appreciation to the three of you. I know you guys um, come together uh, fairly frequently um, on, um, I think it's Mondays and Wednesdays when, um, when we need a special guest show. I mean, when we don't have a special guest show for these discussion shows. And I've listened in Uh, to several of them, and I'm, you know, I'm very pleased. Tonight I got to participate in the whole show, and I'm even more pleased. You know, I think it went very smoothly. So I want to thank all three of you.
0: Bill?
3: Thank you, Bill. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mr. Bill. You bet. I appreciate you having the show going for us.
3: You bet.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, And we always love to have you on. You know that. Anytime we'd like to have you.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So I think um, a good thing to just kind of circle back around with is maybe that there is all different kinds of things that we can do to kind of help us when we're getting down and depressed. And I think it's important to also um, you know, we started the show talking about therapists, and a lot of times they 're not trauma informed so you know it's a, what i i 've said many times before is i I think that we do need to continue to search i don 't think that um, i I do think that there's somebody out there specifically that's for people that are in trauma, and i 'm really hopeful that all therapists will start going that direction as well because it is so needed. I mean, they're, you know, we know the statistics. We say the statistics and stuff on this show. So we know what they are and we know that it is very much needed. They need to be more trauma informed. So if there are any therapists out there listening, <laughs> we're putting our request out to get more trauma informed therapy so that you can help us because it gets really frustrating when you're with a therapist and they're not, they're just not getting you and they say things that trigger you. And, you know, it's, it's hard. And because it's almost like a relationship, a relationship, you get to know these people and you tell them really personal things. And so, um, you know, to, to not be heard again, which I think all of us who, you know, have been abused, we feel like we're just not ever heard. And then to feel that with the person that you're really trying to, um, you know, who, who you think is trying to help you is, is sometimes detrimental. And so I just want to encourage people, though, to keep trying. There's lots of places that you can go. And NASA has a lot of resources as well. And, um, you know, so you can always go on NASA.org and, and look for those resources like we were talking about too in the beginning. You want to say anything about that? Bill, about what you
3: guys have available. Help me with that. <laughs> uh, I want to say that, um, you know, you should never stop being your own therapist. Uh, just because you have a therapist doesn't mean no, that you're yeah. not, you don't have a responsibility for yourself. Keep searching to keep trying things to keep, you know, keep going. Cause if, I mean, the one thing I've learned is if you're standing still, you're losing ground. <laughs> so keep moving forward is what I'd say.
0: No, oh, that's good. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. How about you? Do you have anything to say as we close out, the up real quick? Um, last
1: no. Yeah. What is it going to be? Is there going to nope. be a show on Thanksgiving? Yes.
0: Yeah. It's, yes, it's planned. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really. Right, Bill.
0: <laughs> right, Bill. Because that- that's a. I know that's a hard time. It's, the show is planned to go on on Thanksgiving, because I know that's a hard time for people. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we don't
3: ever take time off, uh, except for um, no. if we had a show planned on a Super Bowl Sunday, we might make it Super Bowl Saturday show or something. But <laughs> we don't ever take the show off. So um, that has happened, but, but, but never on a Thursday, for example. So we always do shows on Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, even if they're weekdays. Yeah.
0: So thanks for asking that, Philip. There was probably a lot of other people that were thinking the same thing. So we appreciate you saying that and asking that question. So thank you everyone for being on. Yeah. And Philip, we always love having you and Bill, we love having you on. So thank you for being and on and being such good contribution you know, contributors to the show. We appreciate you. And Penelope, too, I appreciate you being on with me. And, um, well, as you say, there's enough, you know, eyes and ears out there in the world to watch out for all of the children that are in the world. Adult eyes and ears. That is our responsibility. So if you see something, please say something. Good night, everyone. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>
1: You are